Hi, it has been so exciting seeing the registrations coming in for our Revive Lifestyle Medicine Safari Retreat in Africa happening this January 2025. If this has been on your bucket list or if you have already gone and you cannot wait to go back, now is the time to save your spot. We'll be having incredible wildlife viewing excursions, including primate trekking, seeing elephants, rhinos, giraffes, lions, and more. Cultural experiences with local guides, healthful food in beautiful accommodations, participating in a service project, and sharing expertly guided lifestyle medicine activities, including nutrition, physical activity, stress relief, sleep, connection, nature, and more. How can you find out more about it? Well, go to the website, stressfreemd.net slash safari-retreat. That's stressfreemd.net slash safari-retreat, where you can learn more about our incredible itinerary and save your spot. CME is included for healthcare professionals. Any questions, reach out, and I cannot wait to share this incredibly transformative experience with you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Stress-Free MD Podcast, where you learn how to be stress-free from the inside out, elevate your calm, and live your best, healthiest life. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Tiger, your self-care doctor. everyone, and welcome back to the Stress-Free MD Podcast. I'm really, really excited that we have a very special guest today with us. We have Dr. Orlina Carrick, and Dr. Carrick is coming to us currently from Spain. She is a physician who trained as a pediatrician in the UK, and she moved to Spain in 2011, and now she is a full-time coach who teaches women to lead a healthy life so they can lose weight, get more energy, and lead a long and healthy life. And she likes to make this easy and fun because why shouldn't it be? (laughs) So welcome, 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 Dr. Carrick to our podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So I'd love for you to share with us how you got into coaching the population that you do, the topic that you're focused on. Why is that meaningful to you? And please share with us how how you got through this journey. I would love to. And I'll give you the quick version because otherwise we'll be here all day. So essentially, I was a busy, stressed pediatric doctor. There was a... a pandemic of swine flu. And oh my goodness, I was pregnant with my number two child. And essentially, I wasn't supposed to be seeing patients who potentially had swine flu. But guess what? I, I found myself in the middle of all of these patients and it just blew into this really big, stressful episode. I remember my, in the UK, we have consultants, my consultant just shouting at me. She was obviously very stressed as well, actually. And that was really the trigger for me to move to Spain. I'd always wanted to move for lifestyle choices. My husband and I moved to Spain. I say with my eyes wide shut, thinking it would be really easy for me to just move to Spain and carry on my clinical practice. But that was not the case. 
And so I turned to online to do something. And I started off helping children with picky eaters because that was, hey, guess what? I had picky eaters. I had children who seemed to be vegetable phobic. But with my pediatric hat on, I knew that it was really important to teach children healthy habits. But after a while, I pivoted to help adults for various reasons, but one of them being that the best way we can teach our children healthy living habits is to demonstrate healthy living habits. And what I realized was that a lot of people were not demonstrating healthy living habits. So it's almost like saying, well, do this thing, but I'm not going to do it. And so I realized that was really where I needed some help. So, you know, my story is that I really got to understand about stress and emotions and things like that. So it was, I'm walking the walk, I'm talking the talk and really realized that actually we don't just have to do what we've done before, what we grew up doing, that actually we can really make big changes, really super impactful changes actually. And I think a lot of people don't realize how impactful healthy living can be in terms of longevity and lifestyle and just actually leading a life that lights you up. Leading a life that lights you up. That is beautiful. (laughs) Even when it's stressful. (laughs) (laughs) So you started out coaching, essentially, you said around picky eating. Were you working with the kids and their parents or what were you doing? Yeah, I was working with the parents mostly. So I was working directly with the parents, really helping people. I don't know if it was so much coaching back in those days. It was more just explaining to people how to teach people. A lot of it was strategic. So for example, if you want your children to eat vegetables, you do need to present them with vegetables. And I know that sounds really basic, but a lot of people would say things like, oh, I want my children to eat vegetables. And then when you really explore how many vegetables the child is being exposed to, the answer is not very many. And then children say, oh, well, I don't like that. And gradually their diet gets smaller and smaller and smaller because parents are only giving them the things that their child likes. It's mostly glucose, essentially. Yeah. So how do you get kids to eat more vegetables? (laughs) (laughs) It's an entirely different podcast. But um, (laughs) essentially, it's demonstrate it yourself. Mm -hmm. Present them with vegetables. So for example, my kids eat healthily, but we don't have, we have very limited packaged foods in the house. So mostly we're eating fresh, healthy vegetables. So that's what they're used to. And teaching them about emotional eating. That's another big piece as well. And setting limits as well in terms of, you know, my children always want to eat biscuits or apples or whatever it is right before dinner. And the answer is no, you can just wait half an hour. So there's quite a few things that you can do to help your children learn healthy eating habits. But an emotional eating is one of the big things. So not connecting emotions and food. So that looks like not rewarding children with food, not punishing them with food, not setting up that connection of if you're good, we can have an ice cream. Or what I found myself doing when I had my first child and realized, oh my goodness, he doesn't want to put his car seat on. And if I give him a biscuit, a cookie, oh, suddenly he's really compliant until I realized actually that is making a connection between food and emotions. It's basically saying, hey, if you behave nicely, you can have this cookie or I'm going to distract you with this cookie. Wow, that's really insightful because I know that a lot of people do that, right? We do that even for ourselves, right? So that actually brings us into really what you're doing now, right? And and focusing on what your coaching is now. So really taking that insight that you recognize as a pediatrician 
And now applying that to your coaching with respect to adults. Yes. And it's very interesting, actually, when I talk to my clients, a lot of my clients say, hey, do you know what? Actually, I have that has happened throughout my childhood. I was given this idea of if you behave nicely, I could have food. And that, you know, when you really unravel it, that habit, and it is essentially a habit, has been there since childhood. Yes. So why don't we talk about that? You know, how did you transition into recognizing how you were educating the parents of your children and even the rewarding of children with food, using food as a reward? And now, you know, the whole emotional piece of eating, the whole emotional piece of even how stress and, and all of it really affects your food and your intake. It's a really interesting question. And I think for me, I was super interested in emotions. I don't know about you, but when I went to medical school, we did have a few lectures on psychology, but we didn't really do very much on psychology. And nobody explained to me what an emotion was and why we have these things called emotions. And in fact, how they really drive our behavior the whole time. And so it was a bit of an epiphany for me to really understand from my own perspective. So I was looking for my own self. I was thinking my goodness, I kind of feel a bit like I've lost myself with this transition of moving out of clinical practice. And I would have these big emotions and I didn't really understand what was going on. And I started learning about emotions, which I found just really, really interesting. And then pairing that with healthy living and and the question being, well, why don't people eat healthy? Everybody knows what healthy eating is. It's not, everyone knows what healthy living is. This isn't something that has changed hugely over the decades, a little bit, perhaps. We know more and more now, but the bottom line is, why don't people apply the knowledge that we already have? And the answer, well, there are several answers, but the answer, number one, is habits. I think habits play a big part in our behavior, but emotions is another part. And so when we really look at people who are trying to lose weight, And the question becomes, so why are you overeating? You know that overeating is driving your weight gain. Why are you overeating? Why don't you just stop overeating? Because it's obviously not as easy as that. Otherwise, people would do it if it was just, let's stop. Why why is it that you're having problems stopping? And the answer then becomes, okay, well, it's emotions. There's emotions going on underneath that people don't understand. They either can't see the emotion or... They don't know how to deal with that emotion. And so they've got this big emotion, they've got a habit, and those two things combined make it really difficult for people to say, okay, so now I'm just going to stop. Some people can do it, but most people find it very, very difficult. So when you have a client that comes to you that is overeating and you've made them aware that there are emotions behind the overeating, what happens next? Yeah, another good question. So essentially, I think there are two facets to emotional eating. And one of them is obviously to look at the emotions and figure out, well, what is what are the emotions that are going on, which might be stress, um, it might be boredom, it might be any number of emotions, and really dig down and start to see these emotions and become aware of these emotions. So step one is really self-awareness and really stop beating yourself up and just see what's going on. Now, the other facet is really what we eat. And emotional eating is always about sugar. It's always about carbohydrates. I've never met anybody who overeats carrots and celery sticks and says that that's a problem. 
And so there is a drive from sugar as well. And what we eat and the foods that we eat are also driving this overeating. So the two pieces are looking at your emotions, but also dealing with the healthy eating and going, okay, I'm going to start eating healthily. And when you do that, actually, it becomes much easier to stop emotionally eating because you're dealing with the two things at the same time. So the way I teach people essentially is I do what I call a two-week reboot. And that's two weeks of healthy eating, which is easy and fun. And as you go through this process, what's going to happen is what I call golden learning opportunities. And those essentially are when you say, okay, I'm not going to, for example, eat any bread. Now, what happens during that two weeks is there's always an opportunity for you to eat the things that you've said that you're not going to eat. And it's really unpacking that and having a look at, a look at that and say, okay, so, so what's going on? Why, why are you doing that? And it might be a logistical thing. It might be, okay, well, it was after work. I didn't have anything else. It was the only thing available to me. That's what I call a logistical thing. Or it might be, you know, I was coming back from work. I stopped at this garage. I always stop at this garage. I always have chocolate. And when I really unpack it, it's because I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling like nobody is taking care of me. I feel like all of this stuff is going on. And that's the unpacking stuff and really becoming aware of those emotions. So those are the two things that are going on. And then saying, okay, so well, what am I going to do to address that emotional need? Obviously, you have an emotional need. So you've got a negative emotion that is driving the food and you've got a positive emotion that you're looking for. So it might be stress. Okay, stress is my negative emotion. How am I going to reduce stress? And ideally, you want to reduce stress in your life routinely. What I mean is you want to be putting things into your life to reduce that stress. And I'm sure you know that's different for everybody. Different people have different ways of dealing with stress. So it's finding the thing that works for them. And then the other piece is really looking at, okay, so what is this emotion that you're looking for? Happiness, contentment, enjoyment. Yes, of course, we all want these amazing emotions, but how can you get those emotions without turning to food? And again, it's different for everybody. It might be going for a walk with your friend. It might be doing some exercise. It might be knitting. It might be be anything, but it's it's individual to people. So it's really having those tools and using those tools and it, as well as enjoying healthy eating. And I think teaching people, some people love healthy eating. They take to it, as I say, like a duck to water. Some people really struggle with the whole healthy eating thing and they really have to retrain themselves to like healthy foods. Yeah. And, and you were talking about, you know, the emotion and, and asking, well, what's driving it really? And we know from cognitive behavioral therapy, we know from our life coaching skills that the emotion is coming from what the brain's telling them. So nobody cares about me. I'm not respected. I mean, you said a couple of different things. And so really getting to that root cause that's driving that emotion, that's creating the eating behaviors that don't serve your client. Yes, exactly. And I, I know people, different people teach us in different ways. So some people say, well, thoughts come before emotions. Other people say, well, emotions come before thoughts. I just think the two of them kind of go hand in hand. It doesn't really matter. When you start changing your thoughts and your emotions at the same time, you do what I call spiral upwards and you create this vortex of positiveness. So your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, all of those things together. But if you're not paying attention to all of them, so you're thinking, I'm worthless and trying to feel happy, that's not going to work. If you've got that thought the whole time, you're not going to, you're not going to create that emotion from that thought. So it's thinking about all of those things. Yeah, I do believe there's bi-directionality with respect to the body and the mind. 
Um, sometimes we're having a thought that's driving what's going on in our body. Sometimes our body actually picks up on things before our brain catches up. We have all that research about heart math, for example, and how our heart actually can sense things and have electrical signals about something going on before your brain even recognizes what that is. So there definitely is some bi-directionality. But uh, in the example you gave, it sounded like, you know, the client may have recognized like, you know, I'm eating this because uh, I'm kind of lonely or I don't feel good or someone's not respecting me or, you know, you get to that, that core issue that's driving that feeling of sadness or disrespect or whatever. And then here comes the sugar and the carbs and the fatty foods and the processed foods and the fried foods and all that, right? So yeah, no cellular carrots <laughs> happening there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And people do get, they do get a they do get a reward from those foods, but it's not really the reward that they're looking for. So yes, you do get a sugar hit. You do get a dopamine hit, but that's really not satisfying that need of connection or happiness or whatever the emotion is that they're looking for. Yeah. It it just has a temporary quick hit, but then it just drops right off, right? And so then you're back to where you were before without really solving the issue in the first place. Well, worse, actually, I think, because most people feel guilty about it. So That's true. So when we get worse guilty emotions, about it. Yeah. But that's where I think looking at things from a positive brain experience and thinking this is what I call a golden learning opportunity. So really thinking, okay, being curious about what's going on as opposed to beating myself up and saying, oh my goodness, I did this thing. Isn't that bad? No, the idea is to have a look and think, okay, so... What's driving this? I always think if we just get curious about how our body works, our body and our mind works, our own individual mind and body, and just see it more as a machine rather than it's me, I'm doing it wrong, it makes it much easier for people to be to, to figure out what it is they need to do. Yeah, I love that curious brain, right? That curious lens, that not labeling yourself, just kind of saying, isn't that interesting? <laughs> just noticing and not blaming and shooting and all that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So you have this two-week program that you utilize your kickstart, I forget what you called it exactly, that you you Yeah, that you help your clients with. And then what happens after that? Yeah. So well, if they're thinking, it depends what their goal is. If their goal is weight loss, which a lot of my clients, their goal is weight loss. So Step one is the reboot. And that isn't really about weight loss. It's more about retraining your mind, your brain, your body, understanding, for example, that you don't always have to eat in order to get fuel. Your body's got fuel inside it. And understanding that your taste buds regrow every two weeks. So if you're eating lots of sugar, you're expecting lots of sugar. So if you stop eating lots of sugar, your body gets used to not having sugar. So it's really that two weeks of retraining. And I think most people are surprised that it is easy. So many people say to me, oh, you told me it was going to be easy and I didn't believe you. <laughs> and then I did it. And it was actually surprisingly easy. And so step two after that is what I call weight loss. And that's essentially where you have to give your body the opportunity. If you want to lose weight, you have to give your body the opportunity to use the energy that you already have stored inside you. And that doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be about starving yourself and depriving yourself. It does have to be about being honest with yourself and really having a look and understanding what's going on. So where you're sabotaging yourself 
if you're doing things well. And that phase, it depends on how much weight you've got to lose, how many changes you're prepared to make. So that phase lasts a period of time. And then phase number three is what I call healthy, amazing you. Although in fairness, that happens before you get to your ideal weight. That happens quite soon. It's just that obviously when you reach your ideal weight, you actually now want to eat the amount of food to maintain your body. And I think the reality of what happens when you are on this journey is what I call life. Life is always lifing. There's always some stress out there. And so people start building up habits. The idea is obviously to build up these healthy habits. People start building up habits. They often mistake what I call an acorn habit for an oak tree habit. You know, when you think, oh, I've got this habit and I'm doing really well. And then I stopped the habit. Well, the answer is it wasn't really a habit. It was you thinking about a habit. A habit is a habit when you stop thinking about it. And so people fall off the track a little bit. And because life is being stressful and stuff is happening. Now, they just need to get back on and keep going. And that's the journey. The journey is never a straight line, really and truly. Always something is happening. And so it's about being aware that you're on this journey. Oh, my goodness, I've got slightly derailed. I'm going to come back. Slightly derailed. I'm going to come back. And to be honest, I think that's one of the reasons why coaching is so powerful, because you build up this habit of constantly having that check-in so that you really pick up when things are not going well, or when you could be doing things better. Yeah. And you understand that you are going to fall down, but that you have the tools to get back up. Exactly. And that's uh, what it's all about. You know, there is no straight line. <laughs> exactly. No exactly. And there's so many different ways of losing weight and doing this thing and doing that thing. But the reality is take a system and, you know, essentially what I teach is healthy eating, exercise that lights you up, Sleep is important and emotional wellness. Those are the pillars. And if we look at all, every doctor has their own pillars and they're all slightly different, but they're all really basically at the basis. They're all exactly the same. Why? Because that's what works. We know what we need to do. It's just, you have to be consistent in doing it. And that consistency is building up habits until they are habits. And then it just all happens, but you need time to build up those habits. And the habits need to be in how you think and your emotions and your actions. Yeah. And as a board certified lifestyle medicine physician, you just named four of the key pillars that we know from the medical literature that are evidence-based and so important for your overall well-being as a well to as a way to be your healthiest, happiest self and to lose weight, to maintain weight as an additional perk. <laughs> so yeah. Exactly. And to feel good. And have energy. To feel good and to have energy and to feel joy and, and to really, really be happy in your life. Yeah. And it's such so small things, so small things, how we eat. It just feels like a lot of people, I think, think, oh my goodness, why do I need someone to teach me how to eat? And the answer is because you will notice such an amazing difference when you apply what we know about healthy eating and sleep. Again, people think look, so many people know that sleep is good for them, but how many people actually prioritize sleep and have a really good routine and know that they're going to get what I call delicious, healthy sleep every single night. We're all very guilty of not looking after ourselves. Yeah. It is so much easier, particularly as physicians, <laughs> to care for other people than to care for ourselves. We don't really put ourselves first. And it's so important to do that. And sleep is truly medicine. Absolutely. We just haven't learned any of this, whether you're a healthcare professional, whether you are not, none of us have actually learned how to eat properly, 
right? How to yeah. sleep well, how to move our bodies and so on. So it's so, so important and so wonderful to be able to share that information with other people. And as you said, to make it easy and fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we may have some, some really interested listeners here. Where can they find you? Well, thank you so much for asking. My website is drolina.com and I have a podcast called Fit and Fabulous with amazing guests on them, on it. And I have a Facebook group as well, which is Dr. Alina Facebook group, I think. Okay. So I'm fit and fabulous. So we have a, so she's also a podcast host, everyone. So you need to listen to her podcast and I'll put all the links in the show notes. And um, Dr. Carrick, is there anything else that we didn't talk about? Any last pearls of wisdom that you'd like to share with our audience that are listening to you today? No, just, I think it's about keeping going and making it fun and enjoying it. And if anybody wants any healthy recipes, I have a month of healthy recipes, Mediterranean style healthy recipes that people are welcome to help themselves to. And that's on your website as well? Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so we'll put the link to those healthy recipes. I'm definitely looking forward to checking them out too. So again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And I want to thank everyone for listening and for taking time to care for amazing you. Remember to be kind to one another and be kind to yourself. And I look forward to connecting with you on the next episode of the Stress-Free MD Podcast. Hi, I'm so happy that you're here listening to the Stress-Free MD Podcast, learning short, actionable tools to relieve the stress in your life. And I've got some amazing news for you. I've created some short, videos for you where you can learn stress relieving tools by video format as well. Me teaching you on videos. They're totally free. They're very short. They're about five minutes in length each because I know how busy you are. And all you have to do is go to my website, www.stressfreemd.net. And on the homepage, it says feel calm now. And then you can click the link to get your free videos and I'll send them directly to your inbox and your email. And you can share this website with your friends, your family, your colleagues, so they can feel calm too. (laughs) So go get your videos. What are you waiting for?